I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. This is The Mentor with Mark Burris. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Mentor. Today I've got two completely different businesses in the studio. First up is Melissa Morford, the founder of Bee Broth, which is a bone broth wellness product that's now running in Woolworths. And then later on we'll talk to James Kitchener, who runs a lead generation sales growth agency, Jack Median. I've got to declare an interest, we use him at Yellowbrick Road. Lots of things to talk about, so let's get straight into it. Our first guest today has bought in a stash of samples, which I'm very happy about. And she's brought them straight into the studio so I can actually feel them, look at them, touch them, get a three-dimensional view. And I want to say welcome to The Mentor, Melissa Morfitt. Hi, Mark. Good morning. How you going, all right? Good, thank you. Did you have far to come? No, no, not at all. So it was quite quick. Um, and then my other job is around the corner, so very convenient. It's bloody freezing outside today. I know, I know, although I am a Melbourne girl originally, so... Um, this weather is Nothing. quite a treat compared to what I'm used to in Melbourne. I walked down here today, so we're down here at, uh, for those listening, we're down near the Triple N Studios, I walked, which is down the bottom of George Street, and I walked from my office today, got to, so I got my trackie on, and uh, I thought it was a good opportunity to have a walk and warm up, yeah. but I didn't get warm for one second, the whole time <laughs> I was bloody freezing. So I, I'm intrigued, we, your business is called B or B Broth? Thanks. Be well-being broth. Yeah. Be well-being broth. Okay, Correct. so I guess uh, first thing I want to know is what's the what's what is in the name? Be. Um, B came from um, a reflection of um, how the product made me feel originally, um, which was um, being sort of a modern um, woman in my thirties, um, working quite hard. I found that you know during the day there's very rare moments where you can just be centered. And have something for five minutes that makes you just be and and just really um, calm yourself and refocus for the afternoon. Um, and so, yeah, the the name came from my my personal experience. I like that actually. So, so what you're saying is uh, you're not because I often get this sort of. Sometimes I can finish the day off, yeah, and I can think to myself, if I didn't sort of stop for myself for a second, like I and yeah, uh, and uh, but the reason I didn't do it is because I don't know what I'm going to do during that second, like those yes. 10 seconds or half, half minute or minute. So I guess um, having a, a cup of broth yes. or a cup of tea or a cup of just a cup of hot exactly. water exactly. is just a allows good thing I keep thinking to myself, what, am I, what would I do? And um, I don't really like water. So, um, yeah, yeah that, so that's, that's a good idea. Yeah, so it was a notion idea. of 
um, you know, allowing yourself to um, just stay centred um, and just get your energy back. You know, there are other types of things out in the market like coffee, um, tea, as you said, um, but this product, as I'll explain, um, really provides natural energy. It's better than chocolate. Much better than chocolate because it's a really high protein source of protein. Um, so it allows you to get your energy back and your blood sugars leveled um, to keep you through. But the nice thing about broth is that traditionally it comes back through so many centuries of, you know, whether or not your grandma made it. Um, and when you have a cup of chicken soup or chicken broth or, um, you know, it's that beautiful feeling of that warm nutritional um, liquid that goes down your centre. So it is a moment of just having something soothing, but it's also energising. Yeah, so, like so, yeah, the name came from, from being centred, but also being nourished. Okay, so I, I guess I want to get your backstory. I mean, I, you said you've got a job you've got to go to after this. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, so <laughs> uh, what do you do? What's your, what's your game? What, 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 what do you do so outside I, of broth? Outside of broth. So I'm um, publishing. So I do the marketing for fashion magazines. Right. Um, so I have always done um, retail. Um, that's my background in marketing and strategy. So worked a few years overseas in New York and America um, and San Francisco and Hong Kong and then um, come back and, and working at, at News Corp. No, you see so just down here in um Hot uh, Street. Uh, yeah, okay, I know, yeah. yeah, another joint. I've been down there heaps of times. <laughs> and yeah. uh, <clears throat> so, you, so you have a day job, and then at yes. night or and weekends or all your spare time, I guess. Yes. Um, how did you get from? Uh, what inspired you? I probably is a better way of doing it. What inspired you? What demand was there that you saw out there, or what was your personal experience that made you decide to explore creating a broth okay. business? Um, well. It was my health. So, um, you know, I've always been very driven, um, always wanted to um, work and learn more and and that's when I headed off overseas to work in advertising. Um, and when I was over in America, my health um, deteriorated. Why? Um, probably through lack of balance and the right food in my system. So I cut corners Um you know, as a young female, you're on the go and you turn to kind of, you know, a tuna salad on the go and nothing that's full of nutrients. And, th- and that was me, basically. American style. Yeah, 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 lots of sugar and stuff. But yeah, yeah. really, if I was in Australia, I pr- probably would have done the same thing. And I noticed that my gut, um, my gut health um, was under stress. Um, to which I was diagnosed with my first autoimmune disease at 28, um, to which I kept going, um, kept trying to sort of not necessarily cut corners but didn't take it seriously enough until when I was back in Australia I was working in another high-pressured corporate role and um, my disease ran into my bones and I got arthritis at 32. Um, So I stopped and I was like, okay, something's not right here. And so I um, took a year out to study what was how to um, strengthen my body. And part of it was I um, became very good friends with a three-headed chef, Walter Trapp, who is the creator behind the recipes. And he taught me that I need to put actually um, nutritional food into my system that I can absorb easily um, versus you know, lots of salads and things that actually don't get into your, um, get through your gut lining. And so broth was a really big thing that he said, drink it every day, Melissa, and you'll find that your strength will come back, your body will repair, 
and all of a sudden your pain will go. And I was like, yeah, right. Like, but look, I'm going to give it a go because I'm 32 and I've kind of got no option here. Um, and so I did it and I decided to go paleo. Um, and part of paleo was introducing broth into my life every day. And I noticed that within three months I was back on my feet um, and I just kept going and um, and I now I'm off medication and I'm back to where I was doing lots of work and back in that A-type personality drive the career. Did but you put weight on prior? Did you have to lose weight? Was, it, was weight part of the issue? No, no. no. I've so, always been lean. <clears throat> right. So uh, you weren't like no, overweight? No. No, it was, it was, um, unfortunately, autoimmune is somewhat genetic, somewhat environmental. So I do believe that, um, it may have been triggered anyway if I was in Australia, but the fact that I was eating the wrong food in America put my system under stress very quickly. It was like, it didn't like sugar. It didn't like the fats I was eating. And for some people that are susceptible to inflammation issues, um, whether it's headaches, whether it's stomach problems, when they eat the wrong food or they're part of the wrong environment and they put their body under stress, it just exacerbates. So that's what happened to me. Right, because there's been a lot written about the paleo diets. And yeah. Like, a lot of people, there's controversy around it now. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I, don't, I don't really understand it all, but um, but you're, you're not espousing a paleo diet to people here. This product no. is about... It's a supplement. Yeah, it's a supplement. And it's a it's chance a, to just put something good in your gut. Yeah, and so basically um, where I got to was when I went through this journey of finding the right food, I went into supermarkets and I had to turn over every single packet to find to see if they had any preservatives, otherwise I'd put it down. And I thought, I can't go into a supermarket and find really clean food that you know you can trust. And there's this thing about really good health food on the go that somewhat tricks you because there's stuff hidden in it. And I thought, do you know what? If I need it, I know there's going to be other people out there that's just as busy as me that needs it too. Rather than going to the health food shops to, you know what you're going to get there, but actually going to a supermarket and actually getting premium health food that you know are going to support your system. So that's when I was like, I'm not going to cook broth for 24 hours every day. I'm going to make it and I'm going to send it out in the market and, and give it to other people. Right. So, I mean, I know that Woolworths own the macro brand. Yep. Is it sort of up there with the macro stuff? I mean, is that how it works? Because you're in Woolworths, aren't you? Yeah, you're doing I a am. Trial? Yes, I am. Yeah. yeah, so I'm on a 12-week trial. Um, basically, it's not only is broth new to the market, it's I'm, I'm the first sort of broth drink in the supermarket. So it's very new. Um, yeah, so it's a broth drink. So I've got to tell people listening, yes. we're, we're talking about a. you can buy – Broth. broth. Yes. I mean, and I've seen, I've, in fact, I've bought it because sometimes I, this time of year, I often make a, a meal where I put, um, buy one of these, uh, an organic packet, packaged broth. And I think I do buy it from Woolworths. Sometimes I buy it from a health food store. There's one down in Bronte I buy it at, that uh, Greek lady down there. I can't think of her name for the moment. And um, and I put in my, my meal just to sort of help fill the pot up, basically. But this is actually a, Something that you you put in a cup. Yes, correct. That's what this is designed for. And yes. I've never seen that before. No. So um, to be honest, um, it's it's heavily 
it's heavily introduced overseas. So I first found the broth drink um, over in America. What, in one of those Whole Foods places? Yeah, yeah, yeah in Whole Foods. Um, and Which, also, by the way, Amazon just bought. Oh, yes, I know. Paid yeah. billions for it. I know. So um, you're on your way here, kiddo. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> anyway, um, they... They have cafes, broth cafes um, in the UK and the US. Broth is quite is a developed, right? yeah, quite a developed category. <clears throat> where in Australia it's not. And so when I approached Woolworths, um, you know, I really referred to what was developing overseas, and they do model somewhat off Whole Foods. Um, so we're quite interested in opening the category, but it is very new. Um, but the reason it's a drink versus. Um, necessarily marketed as an addition for your food is because that's how I have it. Because I'm on the go um, and I know so many mums are on the go, um, you know, I'm not a mother, but in terms of I'm a worker, but also mums on the go, you know, I wanted to have something that people could just pour that was already infused with flavour, that people mm. didn't go, ugh, broth, bone yeah, broth, yeah. chicken yeah, broth, yeah, yeah, yeah. but actually it was like a cup of soup yeah. that they knew that was like full of gelatin that would go straight into their gut and would be good. And so I came up with a drink range. Now that I, I, I really love it. Um, I haven't tried it yet, but I really love the idea of it because you're right, the bone broth you can't, that you buy, that organic ones I buy sometimes that are frozen for a start. Mm. Um and it's understandable why they're frozen, but then they're not ready to drink. Mm. And then even if you did thaw them out and heat them up, they don't taste great. It's sort of a bit bland and needs something else in it. Yeah. The other thing is I tend to notice is that they can be very salty. Um, yes. Um, and uh, which I presume they put in there, that's the preservative probably, yeah. salt and the taste. Yes. Um, this is very good, uh, a, a great idea from my point of view. Um, it's a sort of, and I quite like the whole idea of your marketing or your message have one of these when you're giving yourself some time out. Sort of as a reason to take the time out. Now, some people take time and meditate. They sit down and they listen to, you know, uh, some meditational um, app or whatever. Um, this is sort of part of that meditation. I mean, for, yeah, for, for, you know, for centuries, Japanese and a lot of cultures, they have this thing, time to stop, Yep. sit down. Even if you ritualize the process of making yourself a cup of tea, whatever it is, that in itself is good for you. Yes. But then if you can make the thing that you're taking in good for you as well. Exactly. Um, you're getting sort of a double benefit. Yes. Is that, is that the thinking? Yes, it is. And it was also, you know, I can visualize sort of, um, you know, a mum with four kids at a 3.30 pickup, school pickup, and her just sort of racing around frantic or me on my way to my fifth meeting for the day frantic probably a bit hungry, a bit tired at three o'clock. And actually just to be able to heat it up in the microwave for a minute, for it to be really warm and soothing and go, okay, this is my moment where I'm just going to have this, restop, realign and put goodness in my body versus having a coffee on the run and then going down at four o'clock. Mm. And I think that's what I did for so many years. I do that. Yeah. And I noticed that like rather than putting things in me that are going to drop, I'm going to put things in me that are going to go up and my energy is going to go up and I, th that's that's the concept around it. Yeah, because I've yeah. created a really bad habit myself in the last uh, uh, two months. There's uh, My office is in, um, uh, near the Sofitel up in the city and at the other end of town and um, downstairs in the Sofitel building is this unreal chocolate place called Adora. <laughs> And they make they got this beautiful rocky road, <laughs> and uh, I remember when Daryl Lee first opened up. You know, I knew the Lee brothers, and I used to love their rocky road. And they, they sort of don't exist anymore in terms of shops. 
And um, I remember, and I went down there about six weeks ago in the afternoon. I feel a bit flat. Also, I was seeing myself, I'm buddy, I'm working for everybody. I'm not getting any for myself. So yeah. I, bought a, I bought this uh, sort of chunk of um, uh, Rocky Road. I thought, I'll have a little bit today, tomorrow. And of course, I ate the whole lot. <laughs> and, uh, and I've started making it a yeah. habit there going, but you're right, I what know. it does, it makes you feel good. But then you feel crap about an uh, hour and a half later. And yeah. um, so just uh, tell me this, uh, it's 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 packaged, it's, it's it's plastic packaged. So, I mean, I don't like that bit, but I don't yeah. know if there's any alternative. No, um, unfortunately, um, we did a lot. I probably spent six months of my time before I launched um, like properly developing my concept was trying to find a manufacturer in Australia that did a concept where it was in sort of more of a Tetra Pak drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Impossible. Yeah, so a big thing, a big hurdle of mine was um, was packaging mm. in Australia because yeah, packaging is really important. Yeah, it, do, it doesn't. And I wanted to be Australia made, and I wanted it to be really authentic and have you know all the right ingredients and all the right make because at the end of the day, um, you know, people are concerned with you know whether it's grass fed, whether you know where the protein comes from. Is that all written down here somewhere? Yeah. So, so it's grass fed. Yeah, because I want. Beef. I mean, I'm a, I'm a cattle farmer, so I will oh, not really? eat grain fed grain fed cattle. Yeah, grain fed cattle look better. They muscle up really yes. well. Yeah, but they get abscesses and stuff like that in the stomach. Yes. So I, we 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 don't grass feed any, um, grain, grain feed any feed. of my cattle. Yeah, um, we're, we got a stud. Um, oh, where's your up property? up in northern New South Wales? Oh, lovely. So. <clears throat> so it's grass-fed. Yes, yes, correct. Um, we're going organic or not organic? Not organic. Not organic. The okay. reason we're not going organic is because um, Walter, the chef behind the recipes too, and myself, I also um, spend a lot of time on a property in a farm in Victoria, um, believe that it's not so necessary. We think that if the um, sourcing is correct – um, and the the protein is developed correctly and it's grass-fed, et cetera, we don't feel the need. No, I agree. It needs to be organic. And I think that there is a lot of um, speculation out there around organic. Well, it's amazing too expensive too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you've got, exactly. I mean, you got to make it affordable. Yeah, exactly. And also if I was heading into Woolworths, I wanted to make sure that I also had the, um, I had the right sourcing. Otherwise, yeah. I would have tripped up. Okay, so yep. grass-fed. Um, um, free range. Would you, yeah, free range. Would you source yourself? You source the cattle yeah. or the beef? Yes. Yeah, so you guys go out and sort of choose where the beef comes from? A manufacturer does, yes. Yeah, manuf- okay, yeah. your manufacturer yeah. does, yeah, but you're, you're in control yes. of that? Yes, oh, c- completely. And then the ingredients? Yes, the all the vegetables, yeah. Australian. Yeah. Yeah, some of the spices in New Zealand, but um, 95% of it's Australian. Nothing's made in Asia, no, which is what no. would I worry about that sort of thing because yeah, I, know. I don't know I don't know what their standards are relative to ours. No. I'm not saying they're worse or better, but I don't know what they are. I have a better a feeling around standards from New Zealand. So we're sort of compatible Completely. To, what, yes. to what we would expect. Um, I, I see you list all the stuff at the back here. Yeah. Um, no sugars, no preservatives? No, and, and very little salt, which is something that I wanted to compare to the market. How do you preserve it then? Uh, it's it's retort sealed. 
So it's heated. So basically when you make it. Pasteurised. Yeah. Yeah. So it's well kept, but I do recommend it's kept in the refrigerator in the fridge so it's refrigerated because the one it's it the gelatinous feel keeps but also the nutrients keeps better you can have it on shelf ready but i've actually positioned it in Woolworths in the fridge which is harder for me on my kpis but i believe that it keeps its nutrients okay so, so i've put I in a it, premium spot i buy it how much is it going to cost me one of these um, six dollars fifty. And how many do I get out of this? Do I dilute or it is as it, it is? is as it is? So you get a two fifty mug, so a big mug. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So like a so it's like sort a, of thing you get in a, a, a full latte, one of those sort of takeaway yeah. latte things, like you have got in front of you there. Completely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, I guess, I, guess so you, I could water it down if I wanted to to make it yeah, last a bit longer. Yeah. Um, no, no? I, I don't think you would because when you drink it, the the Ratio and the flavours have been designed as a as a straight drink, okay, so straight. you'll enjoy the flavour. Right, okay, and I yeah. intend to try it too, but I'll give yeah, some great. feedback on it. Um, and uh, ninety seconds in the microwave, how does it work? Uh, about a minute. <clears throat> so we've recommended a minute, but if you want it a little bit hotter, it depends on your palate. But yeah, um, look, we you generally can heat it up in a saucepan, but it's fine in the microwave. They're actually microwavable packages. I did as well for on the go convenience, but I recommended that you sort of cut the top where it says, yep. pour into the mug and then microwave and sip. In the mug? Yep. Right, okay, good. I like yep. that idea. And uh, so price point, six bucks. So yep. it's more expensive than a coffee. Yeah, it is. 52 bucks more, I guess, um, more than a, a, a big cup of coffee. Um, obviously better for you. Um, someone, Is there any resistance in the shelves of Woolworths? To the price, yes. So we we started at seven dollars, um, and then found that probably a lot of the feedback because we've done we've invested a lot in in store tasting and trial and just got to know our customer, um, and a lot of the reservations been around price. So we dropped it to six dollars fifty, right? Um, and feel like there's more um, interest in trial, um, generally because people are sort of learning about it, and. It's it's tough because I'm positioned in the soup category um, versus yeah, right. the health category. Yeah. And so people often associate and compare me to the price of um, Campbell's Campbell soup. soup. Yeah, yeah. And so um, How does it that's compare? one of my go- goals is to make sure that my positioning and merchandising is correct. How does it compare to Campbell's soup? Um, oh, it's 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 got much more nutrients. No, in I mean in terms of price. Oh, a lot. So probably the average... For a 500 mil versus a 250 of what I've got would be about $6, so double. Yeah, half. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. double, yeah. Right, okay. But soups, yeah, it's a sort of different category. So, yeah. You, uh, I mean, uh, how, uh, everybody who comes in the show, if they've got a retail product or want to get into Woolworths, how they ought to get into Woolworths? Um, I... Um, I have... I worked at Coles for two years, so I was aware of... Um, Category buying, I think that was a really big thing. Uh, I was a category manager myself. So um, I think that that set me um, into an area where I was confident selling myself. Um, But two, I took a risk. I knocked on the door um, and I just said, you're going to want to see this. And I just was confident and I gave them a white space. I always believe that a white space is a gap or opportunity in the market. And when you give someone like Woolworths a white space and say that someone else, you know, where the Whole Foods is doing it, um, you're going to be the first to do it um, and introduce them to a new category that they – 
they believe and I believe is going to open up, that I think that that was my angle. How did you um, convince them that it was going to open up, though? I mean, it's you've got to convince them of the case. Yeah, I think um, I I really um, honed in on the health category in Australia, right? Um, which is a big growing category as well as overseas. Um, so this is a clear um, product in the health category. It's in every health food shop, a broth. Um, it's just not so um, mass convenient um, like I've tried to do. Can I tell you now the one I buy – is much more expensive than this. Yes, I know. So, yes. <clears throat> in fact, I marvel at the price that I think I walk out there and I'm a hundred dollars like because I buy a yeah, few I things and I go, oh my god, they can't be right. But I mean, I, then I put it down to well, it's healthy, and the poor woman's have to sit here and yeah. make all this bloody stuff. Yeah, I know. So I got this uh, image of you sort of in a, a warehouse somewhere with these big vats and sort of a big thing stirring all yeah. these massive vats. <laughs> Tell me how you manufacture this. How does it all work? Do you have an external uh, outsource manufacturer? Yes, I do. Yeah. So, that's the only way I could have done it with Woolworths. Right. Um, and also that's probably the only way I wanted to do the business. Um, it wasn't developed, um, even though I make it at home for me to try and do it out of my back kitchen. It wasn't something that that's what I wanted to do. Um, so I, I went hunting for the right manufacturer. Um, the manufacturer that I've got, um, is an expert in stocks and broths. So that's basically what they do. And so, yes, they are boiled in big vats with bones and, and veggies. So, um, you know, the manufacturer that also that I use is, um, very premium. Um, but I had to work hard on my price because, um, I knew that if I was going to target, um, a national supermarket, I had to be big on price. So if too. you can if you can move, I don't know, double the amount of num double the amount of packs of this that you're currently moving, are yeah. you able to? Is there fungibility in relation to your price, or you, or there's not? I mean, it's in other words, yeah. if you go to the manufacturer and make double the amount you make last week, the manufacturer will say, look, I'm going to do it for half the price. I can now deliver to you. Yeah, for half no, the price. Um, I don't think price negotiation like that is it will probably remain flat for some time. Um, my goal, I would like to, um, I would like to export this, um, to China. Mm. I always had a goal because what I, I went to China and did a study, um, that every Chinese family has 10 servings or 10 cups of broth a day in China. And so- but- Per family. Per, per family, wow. Yeah. And so, um, but when I did a research group with the Chinese market, they're very particular about taste because it's like sort of us having a really good steak. We know exactly what mm. it is where they're very particular about broth. They've been cooking it um, every day of their life. So um, if I do launch it there, um, I have to really do a lot of homework on the right flavour, the right taste. Otherwise, I'll, you know, it won't acquire to their taste buds. I have been looking to see how many Asians have been buying my broth uh, in the community, community, and it's few. So I need to do a little bit of work on that and see, okay, who really is my customer? So that's part of what I'm learning through this trial is that, um, you know, who's buying it, who likes it? Um, is it sort of the Australian mum? Is it the Australian um, low-hanging fruit health person? Or is it the Asian market? I'm just trying to understand that. I now. guess it's not going to be the Asian market. I mean, I'm just making this up as I go along. But it's, if they're doing 10, they're not going to spend 60 bucks a day. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, unless they can buy a great big vat of it, <clears throat> excuse me, like exactly. a bulk amount of it. Exactly. Um, and they probably don't drink it by a cup. They probably drink it in their sort of soup. They have a soup. Yes, but they do like Australian-made products. So yeah. when I went over there, um, they would pay three times more to just get something that was 100% Australian-made. Yeah. And so that was what I thought my advantage might be, is producing something that's probably a little bit low in cost than it is now, but actually have an authentic Australian-made product. Or even licence it. Yeah. To somebody else. Yes. If if if, 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 if you can let them be bothered with all the distribution of this. Can you buy this online? Um, I'm about to launch. Okay, so... If I buy online, is it the same price? or Because I know Woolworths takes a fairly big cut of things. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm remaining at the same price. You, yeah, okay. So yeah. you're not, not going to have sort of a channel conflict in no. terms of pricing. No. And, and, and how many ranges or how many ranges in this category do you have? I've got three in front of me. But yeah, how many? that's it. So I've launched with those three. I've also developed behind the scenes of 500, so more of a cooking. So um, basically what my point of difference is, is that Walter and I have infused the broth so that no one has to spend money on spices, um, added flavouring. Put straight in. Yeah, added flavouring meaning natural spices like yeah. ginger, yeah, yeah. herbs. So it means that, um, you know, like as my husband uses it, he pours the beef in, adds noodles and veggies and he's got his dinner because yeah. it's high in protein. So my goal is to bring out the 500 quite quickly and have it as the the wellness meal base. Right. I, I, explain to me because – I don't quite understand the protein because it looks like a it looks like a cup of water or soup. Yeah, I mean, like it's a it's a liquid. How much? If uh, this one here I've got in front of me says beef infused with ginger. Yeah. Um, how much protein would I get out of this? Because I mean, I I take it's about eleven. Yeah, it's about eleven grams, right. which is um quite which is sort of equivalent to a protein bar. Mm. So a lot. Mm. Um, but what what the What's so tricky about it is that people think there should be like clumps of meat yeah, yeah. in it, you know. But what's happened is when you boil it for, you know, up to 18 to 24 hours, all the marrow and all the nutrients out of the bones are, are come out. And so that's what the gelatinous protein is. So it's a, even though it's liquid, it's high in protein. Yep. So you don't necessarily have to have a meaty steak to have a, a have a um, good meat protein source. Yep. It may not necessarily be my dinner, but it would be. It's a good source of protein in the afternoon. Yeah, it uh, is. I've done a few media trials where I've um, challenged people to do the five day bee challenge, which means every afternoon have a bee broth versus a coffee and see how you feel. And a lot of people come back to me and say it's funny because by day five. I I reach for the broth and then I'm not hungry till dinner. So they really find that it's that um, that branch between lunch and dinner where they don't over snack and it keeps them going. So it's quite filling and it's quite sustainable. And I think that's what I encourage people to do is, you know, have something sustainable versus sugar or coffee that you'll be hungry in the next hour after I'm that. definitely sold on not having my Rocky Road and not having <laughs> and or coffee. I mean, I, I just think it's... A great idea in terms of it being a replacement in the afternoon or mid-morning or whatever it is to sort of tide you through. I just think it's – a, and it's better than tea, etc. Yeah. I mean, it's just – because, I mean, I, I'm someone who drinks too much coffee, too much tea. Yep. Um, and then what I do is I convince myself, okay, I've had my coffee, so what I just start doing and having now is green tea. But, you know, this just stuff just hypes you up. Yeah. It might last a little yep. bit of the green tea, but it just drops you on your ass yep. at a certain point. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of – 
<clears throat> it's a diminishing returns um, beverage, as opposed to this is this is a, um, a an ever increasing beverage. Yes, so it's, it will get you through to your dinner. So I think it's a great idea. I, I love it. Um, and what I actually the thing I like uh, this is just the survey one, but at, at a personal level, is this concept. And if you could get this message out that it's actually time to there's a time of day where you should actually sit down and do something for yourself. Yeah. And uh, yeah. actually ritualize this yeah. and, um, you know, actually pick it up and smell it and taste it. Yeah. Because we tend to, because I find when I'm even eating the Rocky Road, I don't even, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't even actually sit down and taste it. I'm just yeah. shoving it in. Yeah. And I'm not actually enjoying it. Um, yes. And, um, you know, you know, like if you tie this into these concepts of meditation or taking time out to sort of de-stress yourself, and I don't mean in a stress sense, but like just de-stress your whole body, give yourself a chance to recover for a second. Yep. Um, th- they always say smell and taste whatever it is you're doing yep. and uh, and just feel your environment. Yep. And uh, yep. I think this is a great – this provides me – I'll try this, but I know it's going to provide me an opportunity. It's, it's sort of one of the things I've been looking for, to give me an opportunity to do exactly what they tell me to do when I when I do my meditation. Yeah. To have yep. a stop, smell, taste, feel, relax, and just think about this. Yes, yes, yeah, exactly. Is- and I think that that's, that's very um, Melissa Morfitt's story. What I've noticed, though, with since I've launched is that you know a lot of guys have been having it as their protein kick before gym. A lot of women have come to me saying, you know what, I want to lose a bit of weight. I'm having too much sugar. I'm going to have this instead. Um, a lot of people say that, um, you know, I'm just going to do a good old cleanse. Like, so there's that very much center point for me um, in my busy day that I have it. But then I'm finding that so many people are loving this clean protein um, snack as other reasons to have it. So it's kind of opening my eyes up quite quickly to its purpose and its usage. A warm drink too. I, I just think like sometimes I just have hot water, but a warm yeah. drink is great. Yeah, it is. It's something very uh, I don't know. It just feels good. I don't know whether yes. it's good for you or not. The hot water, but it's it just feels good. And I think it's a great product. Thank you. Um, is there any one question? you'd like to ask me? Yes, um, very much so, actually. Um, I often think um, throughout this journey of the 12-week trial how much I've stepped into a mass channel quite quickly without or growing this brand organically. Um, do you think that there um, – what are the potential risks of that in terms of how fast – I suppose, do I need to um, push my brand as quickly as I'm pushing my distribution channel? I think the distribution channel, if it works, will push the brand for you, so you won't need to worry about that. Um, Probably the way I would have done it is I would have uh, built the brand up online and gone through that process, you know, Facebook and Instagram and all those other things, the traditional stuff, um, before I diluted my margin by going through a Mm. traditional distributor. I would have probably sat back to see – how much I could sell online if I pushed the brand through influencers, et cetera. Yeah. And that means I would retain more of the margin. Yes. And I might have actually been able to sell it cheaper. Yes. Um, as opposed to going straight to a big distributor yeah. because then your, your margin's sort of stuck. Your pricing's pretty much not fungible, but will stay the same. Um, and you could miss the market um, – which means your brand will be associated with a good product but too expensive. 
And I'm not saying that's yeah. what, that's not going to be the outcome. I don't know. Yeah. But that's the risk that you run. Right. So I therefore I'm yes. I'm a big believer in using social and uh, especially someone like you understands the category. I'm using social and um, using influencers and uh, those sorts of things yep. first. Great. Okay. And then having the the big distributors come to me and say, "Can we have your product?" Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. but the, the the issue that you had is you're you're really confident about the the, the uh, distribution category, and you know it as you said you worked at yeah. Coles, so you couldn't. I guess it was a bit too seductive to resist mm. going in and talking them into it because you believe mm. in so much in the product, yeah, <laughs> and you also believe in your own ability, yeah, to talk yeah. them into because you know that this should be a product on their shelves, yeah, exactly. And you did such a good job, yeah, they got you, yeah, and you got them, yeah. So. Uh, You've got to keep your fingers crossed, and by the sound of things, it's going to work. And they that distribution will build your brand for you too, by yep, the way. Yep. Faster, yep. much faster, much cheaper, mm-hmm. um, uh, much cheaper in that you know, you're not paying the hard dollars to build your brand, paying influencers, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you are paying because you're paying through your margin, what yep. you've got to give away to yep. the distributor. So um, it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting outcome. Uh, yeah. Correct. Um, but I'm just a – one of those guys, I don't understand what you do with Coles and Wars. I don't really understand how you push something through a, a major organization like that. So I don't understand that fast consumer moving goods, yep, moving yep. consumer goods, whatever the hell, FFCMG, yeah, whatever yeah. it is. You understand <laughs> yeah. all that stuff. Um, yeah. And so I wouldn't have gone down that, down that track because yeah. I don't understand it. Yes, yes. Um, so I would have gone down the track that's my traditional track. Yes. But actually, my way would get take longer yep. and also – could just get caught up in the clutter and could get caught up in the busyness of everybody else out yes. there in the marketplace trying to promote something online and through Instagram and yes. Facebook, et cetera. Yes. So um, I don't know if there's one better way. Just see how it goes. And uh, how's it going? What week are you in now in the trial? Um, so, yeah, I'm at week nine, nearly 10. So I've got two weeks left. Um, and I know that my sales are steady. So that's good. And they're, and they're healthy. Um, you hear the numbers they want, though? Uh, just, just, yes. Um, so for, you know, from my perspective, I'm doing really well, but from their perspective, I yes. could be doing a little bit better, which is, su- it's almost like, um, you know, uh, it's sort of self-criticism where you're really proud of yourself because you've done this in eight weeks, but then it's almost like, you know, that sort of strict teacher where you get to keep going and do more and more, which is good because it's pushed me more than I, I wouldn't be where I am eight weeks after launch unless I was there. So I've moved so fast, so quickly, but that's also part of the anxiousness of my risk. But I suppose you've got to be in it to win it. And um, I believe it's where it should be. I still think that the positioning's not quite right in store, but um, I think that's why I'm developing online just to... I think you need to have yeah, that. Um, exactly. then, you, then you're going to have that arm wrestle with yourself over pricing online versus pricing at Woolworths yes. um, <laughs> or wherever. Um, but it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. that, that's all part of the fun of and the learnings yeah. involved in small business, starting up small business to become a big business. Yeah. And um, I do believe you're right. I think those organisations like Woolworths and Coles and IJ, et cetera, they need to start to move into these more, let's call it healthy category, more modern categories. Mm, yeah. They're not yep. going to drop what they got, but they've got to get they've got, they've got a bigger offering. I, I was actually in Woolworths in um, – I noticed Woolworths in uh, King's Cross the other day, the other yep. night. <clears throat> I've noticed they've renovated the whole King's Cross Woolworths and they've got much bigger areas dedicated to the macro foods and like huge area dedicated, yep. dedicated to those sort of 
Whole food style yes, stuff. Yes. Um, and uh, no doubt they're worried about the Amazons of the world and yes. all that sort of stuff that's going on. So they're- They need to. They, they need, need to. to. Be yeah, correct. And, yeah. and you're sort of part of that. Yep. And, which is probably why they, one of the reasons they bought into it. So yes. you might be lucky. You might just carry, get carried through the momentum, that whole foods momentum. Yes. That's sort of becoming much more um, obvious at the moment. And the, the big guy's got to do something. You know, yes. you see the way for Amazon to turn up. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. So I th- you, you you might be well-timed here. Yes. And uh, the product might need to be honed. You might need to sort of yep. make some variations and tweak it a bit. But uh, yep. well done. I, I'm yeah. looking forward to seeing a, an Aussie girl uh, as a result of her experience <laughs> in America uh, slay them. And one of the things I, th- I just want to finish off on something, one of the things I find extraordinarily interesting and uh, really interesting is that um, you talked about uh, broth bars or broth, yes. broth caf- cafes. And then <clears throat> I'll just quickly tell you a little story like – 60 years ago, um, no, 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 the 30s, the 1930s, um, they started, they set up um, in drugstores in America, which is sort of where you go to buy your prescriptions, and they were apothecaries in those days, um, and during the 30s, which were the Depression, um, they started to give you medicine in the drugstores, and in order for you to take the medicine, they opened up soda fountains and sodas, soda stores and, and um, actual milkshakes. And but, but milkshakes then were different to the way, way we would ex- get a milkshake today at McDonald's. I mean, they were, they were mm. healthy milkshakes and they would put flavors and spices and sultanas and nuts and mm. uh, they weren't blended. They just and they'd put an egg in there to help you become healthy. Mm. And those milk milk bars in America um, uh, were looked at by many, like lots of migrants who European migrants went to America and they started opening up these milk bars. And of course, you started to have. Um, Milk cafes, milk bars, and soda soda cafes, and interesting enough, a lot of Greeks who went there saw that, and they brought it to Australia. And the Greek milk bar, which was Australia was famous for, and you might be too young to remember this, but yeah. the famous Greek milk bars of the fifties and sixties had their birth in the United States, and Greeks seeing, like you went to in the United States, seeing these so-called technology, new idea about health. Yep. Now, of course, it's become totally emasculated and it's not it's not a healthy thing anymore and the old Greek milk bars don't even exist anymore. In yeah. some country towns they do. But it, but they they were people who went overseas and took this technology mm. and actually bought the machines that made the milk mm. uh, frothy yes. and they worked out a whole lot of ways to make it healthy and they brought it back to Australia and it was actually a health bar, Right. Which is what broth bars are now yes. and broth cafes are yes. now in America. And you've now brought that idea back. Yes. But you brought it back in in a modern version in that it's now we do it ourselves. And yes. uh, I and uh, if it's any sort of um, encouragement to you, milk bars became extraordinarily big time in Australia, milkshakes. And now they've turned in, of course, now they've turned into what McDonald's are doing, all that sort of stuff. That the health benefits aren't there anymore. Yeah. It's mostly sugar. And it's gone full circle. You're now you're now telling people don't have those sugary things yeah. that were once <laughs> created by apothecaries in the 30s yes. to supplement, you know, our our medicines. Yes, you're now saying take this. And by the way, I got this idea from America. What an amazing yeah, sort of full so circle. Yeah, that's so true, isn't it? It's a full circle, <laughs> total yeah. full circle. Very nice to meet you. Yeah, really nice to meet you. Good Thank luck, you, in Mark. It. Thank you. Up next on The Mentor, I'll chat with the founder of Bleed Generation Agency that's providing some of the biggest companies in the country with thousands of sales leads each month. Stay tuned. James Kitchener, welcome to The Mentor. 
Thanks, Mark. It's funny, like when I say James Kitchen, I feel like I'm introducing someone um, like the, I don't know, the Secretary of State from America or something. It's such a regal sort of name, James Kitchener. Like, uh, you know, certainly the head of CIA or some of that. I appreciate it. Far from it. Yeah. Jack Media. <laughs> Tell me about Jack Media. What does Jack Media do? Tell us exactly what you guys do. And I want to know about the birth of Jack Media too. Where'd it come from? Yeah, look, so Jack Media, um, the birth of it was way back in 2004, really, when I first got into d- digital marketing. So, um, I was a, a tax accountant, believe it or not, and I saw my friends traveling around the world doing cool stuff, surfing, living where they wanted to live, and it was a different way of life, um, being able to live anywhere and do work on the computer. So that was kind of the birth of, of the idea of Jack, um, but it wasn't until 2013 that we actually jumped into the space and, and started doing some some cool stuff with lead generation for the Daily Deal space. So that, that's amazing. So, James, you, you, you worked in a chartered accounting firm or a CPA firm yep. or something like that, doing tax work, and then up until 2003 or four. Yeah, so about 2004, I, I cut, cut down to part-time and started doing two days but, but a week. Why, why, why would you do media of all things? Like, uh, how'd you go from, how would you go, how'd you go from um, accounting work, you know, doing people's tax returns and advice to doing media? Like, uh, that's a massive leap. It was a, a lot of education, basically finding time, uh, finding time in the morning on the train ride in. To educate yourself? To educate myself, reading at lunchtime, on the way home, staying up to two in the morning. But what, what inspired you to make the leap? I mean, apart from the fact that your mates are all doing cool shit. And, uh, you know, you're, you're thinking, oh, my God, this is boring, or, I'd, or I'm not doing cool shit. How would you do that? I, I think it's that alone, is, is knowing that there's more to life than sitting in a cubicle. Um, yeah. So catching the train in the morning, every morning, I was reading tax advice and, and figuring out what was going to be my future. Um, and I just didn't feel like, like that, that was going to be my future. And I started reading books, educating myself, and realizing that there's no limits to life and where you can go with it. How old are you now? I'm 35. And where did you travel from in the train every day? Uh, from where? So it was about an hour on the train into the city. Yeah, so you travel, Asquith uh, is north, is it? North, yeah. So just just one, two stations past Hornsby. Yeah, so you got on a train, that's amazing. So every morning (laughs) you get on the train and you travel for an hour every day. Yep. Oh, hour there, an hour back. Yeah, there's two hours a day and uh, you would sit on the train reading tax advice and tax cases and Mm -hmm. draft rulings from the commissioner and uh, blah, blah. Then you go and sit in your cubicle which is like probably an open desk environment um and you do your work there you probably leave at six or six thirty and then you travel back to asquith mm-hmm. and you do that in your 20s yep and um you had the balls to sort of say hang on this is not my go uh, there must be something well, better way it must be something better than this for me correct yeah that's yeah. amazing that that in itself is an amazing story for me because i did exactly the same as you when i was in my 20s and I wouldn't have had the guts to say that then because um, I, I was too nervous about those sort of things. And I stayed in the office environment. Um, admittedly, I did something in when I was 40, but it took me a long time to get clear air to do that. And, uh, and to some extent, the reason I did it, there was more necessity than choice. Um, I needed to do something different, not at an emotional level, but in a financial sense. So that that... That takes a lot of guts, and that's probably more reflective of your generation too. Um, you guys are open to bigger and better things and making change, but did it make you nervous when you did it? Look, it definitely made me nervous, but I had had the backup of a good job, um, a good career. I was about to start my CA, um, so didn't really have much to lose. Cutting down two days a week, seeing what happened, um, it eventually I went full-time within a couple of months. 
So because people listen to this, James, you know, they're, they're listening to this, mate, and there's probably someone listening to this right now, and uh, he or she is saying, oh, yeah, man, like the, that's something I'd like to do. Uh, you did it in stages, so you, but you basically, you're lucky your employer said you can work for three days a week. Is that yeah, what correct, you? yeah. And then you said, did you tell him that you're going to do two days a week on something else? Or? Yeah, yeah, he laughed at me. Yeah? Yeah, and basically said you got the job full time when you're ready to take it back. Wow, that's cool though. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so you must be good at your job then. Good but, boss, yeah. Yeah, but you're lucky. I mean, you, and but you, but you took the risk. I guess you weren't no money in those two days a week for a while. Yeah, it was zero. Yeah, it was just spending time. Did you do it all by yourself at that stage, or you hooked up with some other guys? It hooked up <clears> with mentors, so it was basically reading and then testing stuff. So the internet was around ninety ninety five was really the birth of the modern internet, and I'd seen people come through school and actually launch websites, but it was still kind of in its infancy. And when we first started, we got into email marketing. And there's, there's Google, but the, the internet's still in its infancy. It's still a little teenager. It's 20 years old. So there's so much potential there. So that's kind of what we were looking at and what we wanted to tap into. Yeah. Um, so there wasn't really any open source knowledge out there. You can't go to university and learn this back then. You can now. Um, there's a lot of computer science degrees. But back when, when I came through, it was getting an accounting degree, becoming an accountant. Um, so we started scratching and, and finding ebooks and finding mentors and, and finding people to teach us, basically. And then at what point did you team up with your partners or your, your, your business associates? How did that all work? So we kind of started getting everyone in, in the industry. So finding jobs, putting people go, hey, you're working as an accountant, you can get paid 60 grand there. Go work in digital, you can get 100 straight off the bat with no education. It's because these people were just in demand. So all of a sudden, a bunch of our friends jumped out and dropped out and um, started learning digital. So, and but, we all came had, back together. Yeah, but James, I mean, I got to declare an interest here, by the way. Um, James's company, Jack Media, does work for Yellow Brick Road, and uh, and I consulted with James. I don't know, maybe I don't know six months ago. Yep. I, I can't remember how long ago it was. About um, I think it was about Facebook. Yep. Yeah. Um. And um. And I. <laughs> And I didn't ask James to come in here. He was brought in by a producer. So it was sort of like off sort of random. Um, but nonetheless, uh, so I have had some exposure to James, but I don't know his backstory really. And I do know he lives in Byron Bay and yep. they run the business from up there, but they come down to Sydney. In fact, they're going to see my head of marketing today and uh, my head of e-commerce today, I think. Yep. Is that right? It's 10 o'clock. 10 so o'clock. Okay, we've got an hour home. before I go Don't worry, home. they'll wait for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they won't start without you. Um, uh, but... Uh, uh, but I'm, what I'm intrigued by is this sort of transition from pretty much a non-creative job, yep, a compliance job, yep, which is what you know tax work is today. Sure. It's a compliance yeah. job um, because you know governments and regulators have taken the creativity out of it um, and gone straight into the opposite end of being more more weighted towards creativity or creative thinking at least and then probably execution is more process yeah de- definitely there, there's, there's an idea part of that and then there is an execution and the execution is crazily much like accounting you're basically day trading the internet yep. you're buying and selling attention and trying to find the cheapest attention and get the highest roi on that attention yeah right okay so you then I think you should expl- open that up a little bit because, you know, like you're talking about ROI, which means return investment, but like, like, let's tell, sort of explain to the listeners the sort of stuff you might do for a client. Yeah, so long story short, we're very different. When everyone else turns right, we turn left. Um, the internet, like I said, is in its teenage years and um, basically social media makes up a large part of the internet. Um, 
Social is a, is a really weird word for Facebook, YouTube, hundreds of different apps. People kind of don't give it credit. They say it's a fluffy little world. But there's a hell of a lot of attention there. People are driving, they're looking at their phones. People are watching TV, they're looking at their phones. People are on a date, they're looking at their phones. And that's an opportunity to get in front of someone with advertising. Billboards, TVs, print are on the decline and they're expensive for how much attention they get. Cost per lead is expensive. Good for brand? Yep, good, def- good for brand, but, but so is digital. Yep, good for brand. They can establish a brand, but I mean, they can kickstart because they get big audiences. Um, but big audiences all at once. Mm-hmm. But they're not great in terms of cost per lead. Correct. And, and the flip side is the, the digital stuff is also a huge branding tool. So you get out there with your influencers, you get out there um, targeting certain demographics. There's kind of no rhyme or reason of why you can't use it as a huge branding tool and also an effective lead tool. So anyway, just, we just our previous guest today um, has just launched her business before she built her brand online um, with Woolworths with a view to using the, the Woolworths brand launch, the Woolworths, sorry, product launch to build a brand for her. Mm-hmm. Um, she asked me, would I have done it differently? And I said, I would probably have gone the other way. I would have launched socially using influencers, et cetera. Um, that's the product there. Um, and then perhaps gone back to Woolworths and said, listen, you need this. Yeah, As sure. opposed to, could I, I need you. Yeah, um, it's crazy how cheap advertising can be these days. If you go find the right influencers, you give them some free product, you might get a picture on there and that might reach 10 million people. Hmm. You make the right video that goes viral. We spend a couple hundred dollars on marketing it to the right target audience. They share it. It goes viral. So gone are the days where you spend 10, 20 grand to get a page in a magazine that people might not even flick to. You can guarantee that you get results and better results for your ROI when you actually invest through the technology channel. Technology, you can measure everything. And when, when, and when James says ROI, he's sort of talking what I'm talking about is the return on your investment or the cost of lead is the first part of the ROI. So, you know, what does a lead cost me? I mean, I can tell you now when we do TV advertising, sometimes leads can cost us three, 400 bucks yep. for a mortgage. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and that's not a great idea. Um, whereas if I do, if we go through digital, it's 60, 50, 60 dollars. Yep. It's a massive difference and uh, which means you can afford to spend a whole lot more and um, get far better reach by spending more. Um, so uh, I, well, I, I, how did you attract partners and business associates and colleagues? Is it because you're operating out of Byron Bay? I mean, is it a life, was it a lifestyle thing too? Look, to start with, definitely. Um, Byron Bay was always, and I, I know you own property up there. It's probably for the very same reason that, that I do. Very bullish on the area. Love it. Um, I don't ever want to leave. Um, I knew that I wanted to take my business there. I didn't know what effects that would have on the business. Um, and there's definitely good and there's definitely bad. I'm down here for the, the day. Mm. I catch a six o'clock flight out of uh, Goldie and I fly back at six o'clock tonight. Um, and I'd cram 10 meetings into the day and then we go back up to Byron and, and we get to work. So. And you execute. And we execute, yeah. yeah. Because you know, your, business is, your business is online, so you can do it basically anywhere. Correct, yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's just an awesome sort of outcome. Whereabouts is your office? In Byron? Yeah. Uh, right across from the rails. So it's uh, uh, the, Johnson the pub? Street. Okay. Like uh, near, near Woolies? Yeah, yeah. Above Westpac. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. So you're right in the main drag. Right in you're the You're not in the industrial state or anything like that. No, nah, no. Nah, which is getting cool now anyway. Definitely. Get some good stuff there. <laughs> and uh, so you're, in, you're right in the middle of Byron Bay. Um, I guess what that means is, I mean, and for those people listening, this is like a dream. Um, you know, you can, on a nice day like today, if it's a nice day up there and you're working up there and you decide you need a break. 
instead of having to do what I'm going to be doing today when I get mental, I'm going to have to pour myself a cup of, cup of broth and give myself 30 seconds. That You can actually walk down to the, the beach, have a look at it, get some fresh air, get yeah, some sunshine, sure. um, uh, muzz out over the water. And then walk back to your office. Yeah, we we did it every single day, if not twice a day, when we first got there. Yeah, um, and it's definitely slowed down. But yeah, at lunch break, everyone will still cruise down there and just get a little bit of eye candy, looking at the view, yeah, um, yeah. and then grab some lunch. And the food up there is ridiculous as well. Yeah, such it's good quality. Yeah. Good quality, healthy, mm-hmm. not too expensive. Lots of choices of places to go to. Um, it, so, because you know, like what's really important, I think today, and I think it's, and I've I've heard. Jeff Bezos, and, and I've heard lots of people talk about this, is the way we work is just going to change really rapidly. The process of operating in a, as you said, in a booth in an office is going to change over the next 10 years. It has to. And, and we're going to probably work less hours um, because that's just the way technology is going. Less hours in a clump. So we might not work from 9 to 5. We might work from, in your case, 6 to 12 that night. Um, but you might have every three hours off and to, to do something else. You might want to, if you marry, you might want to pick up your kids or spend some time with your kids, but then you get back into the intensity period for a couple of hours. So to some extent, apart from what your business does, what your business represents is a, is a change in the, uh, the business clock. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We, we, we let people work from home. If it surfs pumping, we highly recommend you go out for a surf because we know that they're going to come back and, and work till 7 o'clock at night, even if that's at home because they've had a, had a huge perk. And, and having those perks is basically, you've got to live every day. And if you're going to be jammed in a, in a box working for someone else, you may as well enjoy it. How many people are working for you now? We've got 10 people. <clears throat> 10 people, right. Yep. And they, they all, let's call it uh, professionals, or you've got some admin in there? or No, all, all highly skilled professionals. Even right. our accountants, a, a CA, she obviously knows she could get paid tons more down in the city working for a CA firm, but she's chosen lifestyle. Yeah, well, <clears throat> yeah, when you say you get paid more, it, you can mathematically calculate these things. She might say she could get paid more dollars, but what's the value of her time when she's got spare time? She's not travelling from Asquith to the city. Yeah, exactly. What's that worth? No, uh, priceless. Yeah, it's pr- totally priceless. And uh, I mean, par- imagine doing that for thirty years or forty years. No, people do it. Or people do yeah. that. And if you add all that time up, and then you say, let's say you're sixty, and then you say, let's say an average Australian male lives to eighty, which is about about right. If you're twenty years. 50 weekends a year, that's a 1,000 weekends. If already you've spent from t- 20 years of age to the age of 60, 40 years of losing two hours a day, every day, five days a week, uh, 50 weeks a year, <laughs> you do the mathematics on it and all of a sudden you realise that is the dumbest thing in the world. You've got to use that time to, to, totally. to, to better yourself. Because those years, the marginal utility of those years from 20 to f- 60 are far more valuable than those years 60 to 80 because you can do more stuff. Mm-hmm. You can fit more in an hour or two hours and you enjoy more things and you can learn more stuff. When, you, when you're 60 to 80, you have illness and, you know, you get injuries. These things happen. Like just you, your, your body's not as, not as equipped. So, and I think young people today are thinking about this sort of stuff and then saying, okay, how can I work smarter and better? And, and, and I think what you're telling people who are listening today is you can build a good business like you've done and Jack Media. You can make a total pivot from being one thing, an engineer or an accountant or a lawyer into becoming a media person. And you can do it in such a way that you make money, make a living and actually enjoy your life. 
Yeah, correct. Is sure. that a good summary? Yeah, yeah, I love it. And have it and have a, good. and have a cool way of living too. Yeah, you know, like live cool. And it's actually sort of jet setting. Some people would say, "Wow, he's going to Sydney today. He's going to do have ten meters, fly down six a.m., come back at six p.m., and he's going to work in Byron for the next for the rest of the week, and maybe go for a surf on Friday afternoon if if there's waves waves, or uh, might just go down to Lake Ainsworth and have a swim in the the tea tree water. Yeah, take the kids down and and, and have a chill. It's, it's so nice being able to raise kids out of the city. I think is the the, the big factor for me and. Um, and being, being able to spend. So you're married with kids? Yeah, married with kids. How many kids you got? Got two, two little yeah. girls. And do they, where do they go? Are they go school age yet? No, nah, not school age yet. No. You know, one of the things that's great about up there, I mean, and I'm sure this is the case in lots of regional country towns, um, is that I notice kids still ride their bikes to uh, the to St Finbars, for example. Yeah. You drive past St Finbars down there on the way into Byron, on the opposite end of Ewingsdale, and you get there at a, between you know seven thirty in the morning, nine o'clock in the morning, nine thirty, and there's kids on there pushing their bike. You couldn't do that in Sydney. It's a crazy small town vibe still, even though they get two to three million visitors a year through there. It's it is a small little community. Yeah, and and it's but it's good quality, and and I think that there's a massive chase for good quality today in life, and it doesn't mean you need to compromise the amount of money you earn, and it doesn't mean mean you need to compromise um, the uh, the the sort of quality of the work you do. I mean, you can still do exciting, interesting work. It doesn't mean any of those things, but what you've got to do is got to look a bit, a little bit, look, look a bit far, and you've got to think it through as you've done. I mean, I, as I said, I didn't realise that you went from being a, a, um, a, an accountant graduate, accounting graduate, working in an accounting firm, about to do your CA. Did you do your CA? No, no, I stopped just before. My boss was pushing <clears> me into it because he knew that was the handcuffs that he needed, so yeah. I jumped. Um, and it was an interesting thing you say that looking in the future, it's it's a uh, it's kind of what our business has to do. We have to know what business is going to be like in 12 months, 24 months, the technologies that are rolling out in the US. We know Australia is behind. Looking forward gives us that ability to live in Byron. If we were sitting in Sydney just keeping up with the Joneses, um, it's not as forward thinking and innovative actually sitting back, turning left and going, hang on, where's the the business world going to be in 20, 24 months um, like and, and let's let's build towards that and let's not chase the, the rats and mice everyone else is because sometimes we get so caught up in our life we don't have, we don't sit down and think no and technology is going so fast that yeah. you have to and people go how do i keep up with this technology how do i keep up with this technology there's too many platforms now what's snapchat i don't want to get involved where, where is this going to be in 24 months that's what you got to think and actually no i do have to get involved as an advisor to companies like mine how do you keep up with the technology in byron bay i mean how's it work? what do you guys do I, I i personally think that you need to understand your business um don't try to keep up with technology understand your customers and know what they need do they need some kind of ai chatbot so they can be serviced really quickly do they need um quick caller interfaces what do they need to make your consumer experience better what do you need to make your business grow and then you go out and find that technology Instead of reverse engineering going, I need to learn everything. No, you don't. You need to know what's good for you and you need to go find it. And if it exists in Israel, it might exist in, in the US. Grab that technology and implement it into your business. So you you attending webinars or global technology platforms where you're sort of listening to what's new and what's cool? Um, like for, you just mentioned Israel, for example. Like, no, I typically listen to podcasts. So yep. podcasts like you, I'm, I'm, I'm big into voice. Mm-hmm. Um, on the plane flight down this morning, I downloaded three podcasts. One of them was yours. Yeah, um, thank you. But uh, <laughs> yeah, d- d- just listening and absorbing that information, yeah. finding mentors who are at the forefront and just listening to what they've got to say and then taking that in, understanding it, implementing it for your clients and then going and searching a solution for that and going, okay, in, in two years' time, AI chatbots are going to be everywhere. How are we going to implement this? You better and, explain and, to our listeners what an AI chatbot is. So, so basically when you get to a... <laughs> 
an e-com store, you want to go, oh, hey, guys, do you have this in yellow? Or you come to Yellow Brick Road, hey, guys, is someone available to talk to me today? You can't have one, someone sitting there talking to 100 people at once. So mm. you basically build a, a smart algorithm that can have a chat to someone that says, oh, sorry, someone's not available at the moment, but we can call you in five minutes. Would you like that? Yes, no. Yes, I would. Or no, 10.30 works better for me. No problem, someone will call you then. Mm. So making business smarter, making consumers experience better, and basically growing as a whole by doing that. Right, and AI being artificial intelligence. Correct, yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, I would like to know myself, I mean, what's the... What are some of the – because you, you have to become like a predictive scientist about market movements. So you're predicting where – let's call it social in a broader sense yep. – where it's going in terms of how it helps business yep. and, uh, and where it's going in terms of how consumers, individuals use it. Mm-hmm. What's dropping off? What's coming up? Mm-hmm. What do you see in the next 12 months? What, what, what changes? Do you see some changes coming? I was actually going to save that question for the end for you to, uh, to ask. But no, look – in the next 12 months, I think it's just consumers are taking control. Um, all marketing for the last 100 years has, has been push marketing. We basically put advertising on a piece of paper and, and push it out. I'll tell you what you need. Yeah, I'll tell you what you need. Now the consumer is talking back through social media. Yep. And so many companies aren't listening. Um, that two-way conversation is probably the most important thing and nurturing it and growing it and getting good referrals off it. Actually, there's no, no business hasn't changed. Technology is changing and you just need to keep up with it to keep up with the consumer. Consumers sitting on their phone all day. Do, 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 so, but do you think just just take business out of for a moment, just in terms of usage? Um, is Snapchat Snapchat on the decline or on the rise? I mean, or has as Facebook sort of taken the market share through owning Instagram and putting the Instagram equivalent of Snapchat up, or how's it working? Cool questions. I think <clears> we, we chatted about this last time yep. we were there, and we ended up talking about an hour for it because mm. it, it gets pretty deep. But um, Facebook's dominant; it owns a whole bunch of the world, but. What the 13-year-old girls and boys are using today is what's going to be cool tomorrow. Um, Instagram wasn't cool. Now it's the 30 to 40-year-old women are the biggest age group taking selfies and posting on there. So everyone just say, oh, I'm not going to download Facebook. I'm not going to be part of Instagram. It's only going to be a matter of time. I've already got a Snapchat account. I'm 35. I've asked you if you had one. You said no, but mm-hmm. it's only a matter of time till you download it and have one too. So there'll always be new emerging apps because the people who are cool find something new and they'll, they'll basically latch onto it. So what are 13-year-olds doing now? Look, or 15, 16-year-olds? What do they look... Is there, some, is, there, is there a new Snapchat or...? There's hundreds of them, to be honest. Right. Um, the Snapchat's out there, but um, short videos, voice, any way to communicate back and forth in, in a cool, innovative way that their parents aren't on yeah. is going to take off. Yeah, they want to do something the parents They on. don't want to be on what their parents are. Yeah, and so Facebook will become uncool. Facebook will become uncool, but it will still be very relevant. So it's, like it's basically a content platform now. It's not really a social. You're not really people aren't posting their photos there anymore. They're posting them on Instagram. Right. Is it, is it, and we're getting segmentation now because I notice that I just a survey one, but what I personally notice is LinkedIn has become far more active for me to, to me. Um, like in other words, people talking to me on LinkedIn. So I don't mean talking about like trying to join my group and, uh, you know, want to message me about, they're trying to hit me up with, you know, products and services and stuff like that. Um, than I've ever seen before. Twitter's died right off. Um, whereas Twitter was very active when I was doing my TV show and basically it was just people ripping into me. Um, you know, like it was more like, uh, an attack base Twitter for me. Um, I'd never really had a great experience off Twitter. Um, certainly hasn't done ever done much for my business. Um, LinkedIn though, at a personal level, I mean, I got 160, 170,000 followers or something. 
I put a, a an article out, just a very small note out recently about something, and I had 218,000 reads of it yeah. within 48 hours. This is why I'm standing and talking to you now, because Hugh posted something in there, and uh, I jumped in and said, I know, Mark, I should come down and have a chat. So, look, it, where you put your effort into is where you're going to reap your rewards. If right. you put a lot of effort into Twitter, but there will always be the decline. Um, I was heavy into Google and, and email. They're on the decline. Um, they're more competitive, they're more expensive. So I'm pushing my attention to the new platforms, which are Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. And no matter what, they will become flooded. Once Coke and Mercedes start dumping their money in there, I'm not going to be able to compete anymore. I'm going to have to go find that new platform. Right. There will always be new platforms, always emerging, always coming through. There's going to be undervalued media and you've got to play that arbitrage game. Right, okay. Well, it's just sort of like it's, it's, a, it's a complex world you live in. I mean, sure. I, 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 totally complex. And Think of you, day trading the internet, basically. Yeah, that's, a, a, every yeah. day you can wake up and, and you can buy media and there's underpriced media and there's overpriced media. And you're buying packets of time or packets of data yep. um, or you're advising your clients to buy packets of data within different streams of social media or media. Mm-hmm. Social media is media. Um, and which is sort of not doesn't augur all that well for the mainstream media organisations because it's sort of saying, well, hang on, you know, like if you advertise in Channel 9 or with News Limited or Fairfax, they're getting diluted. Just but like They must hate it, yeah, for sure. And then that, Which is one of the reasons they're creating new TV stations and there's specialty TV stations. They're trying to, they're trying to hang on to their customer base mm-hmm. um, or their, more importantly their advertising base. Um, but this is becoming so fragmented. Well, they get to a point where there's going to be some sort of platform which aggregates all this sort of stuff so that we can actually go to one place and find where all these media media points are that we can they actually definitely trade. Will, like definitely a, will be. Like a, a, an ASX for... Yeah, like, like a trading desk. Look, yeah. they're, they're already out there. Um, the programmatic guys do it on, on a display basis um, and they're buying off, off the Channel 9s. Um, Facebook has got a very intuitive platform that you can go bid through. There's native platforms. So we're probably across five or six platforms. At but the there's moment. no aggregator though. Look, you're never going to be able to do the job properly if you go right. through an aggregator because they're all so complex. Each platform is so different. How you need to talk to the audience, how do you target them. As soon as you sit back and put it through an aggregator, you're going to lose your, your power. Right. So so really it's, 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 it's a judgment process and you need treating someone... each consumer individually we're going to get to the point where it's just going to be one-to-one marketing i'm going to send out a specific piece of marketing for mark boris right and only you are going to see it in your feed no one else is going to see it and i can just keep hitting you every day that's using artificial intelligence though. it's using the facebook algorithm to basically yeah. target people which yeah. is artificial yeah. Intelligence. which is ai yeah yeah so uh, yeah, yeah so you'll be able to actually specifically not target mark boris's segment but mark himself mark, mark himself yeah. yeah and uh and it'll go straight through to me based on things i do and yep. choose to times i look at things the sort mm-hmm. of things i look at i mean i already noticed instagram i went off instagram at a personal level but i stayed there in in order to in uh in order just to be able to see what you like Instagram looking, feeds not are yeah correct and no, I don't I, want anyone to look at me yeah. so I've got nothing I don't have I got one follower and I follow one but what I can do is I can go into the Instagram feed you know where they just uh, they um, you can start searching things they they they, they, they search but they also they send me stuff so yep. they they assume they profile me yep. and they put down there well, well this is something Mark might be interested in and I find it fascinating the sort of stuff like the, a lot of boxing stuff like UFC keeps getting pushed through to me. Yep, and it's interesting now that Instagram's turned into um, a search channel just yeah. like Google. You actually go into the search box and you can type in Byron Bay accommodation yeah. and you'll get beautiful pictures of Byron. You just click on them. Oh, I want to stay at this place. So instead of searching Google now, you can go to Instagram and find what you want: healthy food in 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 Ballina or whatever it's going to be. 
these platforms are becoming way bigger than they ever. And video they too. So video it's as well, huge. Yeah. And all of a sudden, once they see you, and what the, what Facebook owns, Instagram, by the way. So, but, but once they see you looking at, you know, food outlets, you know, raw food outlets in Byron Bay. The next thing you know, you'll start getting a feed of videos in your video feed yep. of f- f- food outlets. Yeah, Gen- well, generally, for, for sure. Basically, video is going to take over the, the, the feed. And I don't know if you notice now, you're scrolling through. Every second one might be a video. Well, right now, just about everyone's a video yeah, for me. It, it, it's basically going to get to that point where every single one's a video, and you're not going to be scrolling anymore. You're just going to be tapping like you are on that uh, on on the new Instagram um, feed. So. Basically, it's going to be like watching TV. And yeah. If you're already watching TV and then you get a mobile phone out, phone out, you're watching two screens and something. How do you stop the addiction? I mean, I mean, is it an addiction for you? Like, I mean, um, what do you do? It's interesting. I don't think it's addiction. <clears throat> I think technology is, no matter what, is going to infiltrate our lives and everyone loves it. Um, I think managing it with children is going to be interesting. I'm not there yet. Um, is it addiction for me? I can put it down and go surfing and I love that. Um, but I also love coming back to it. Um, I'm not using social media to connect with people i'm yep. using it to profile people I'm, I'm looking at it in a very different way than than most people look at it most people are looking at it and just enjoy it they yeah you're like hours a dark and hours night, and hours. You're, you're, you're a different <laughs> i mean i'm i'm the end result you're the the beginning of the result so you're actually it's probably more intriguing to you because um you're profiling everybody and profiling products and services and mm-hmm. trying to work out the science of it yep. and predicting futures i'm just a recipient I only look at. I restrict myself now. I just look at it once because because I'm not getting any out of it. I'm I was more curious yep. as to how they work out what I like and don't like. Now I've sort of pretty much got a good idea how it works. Um, I'm starting to get to a point now where I don't want to look at it yep. because it's just all it's all fluff, as you say. You know, you look up something. I mean, every boxer that's ever boxed in the world, doesn't matter which fight it is, they're sending to me. Yeah, I'm not really interested in their punters. You know, I'm, I might be interested in Mayweather or Pacquiao or. You know now Jeff Horn or uh, you know that uh, you know maybe a UFC fight here and there, but but problem is now they send me everything. They're going to try to slam me with content and, yep. win, and win your attention, and, and that's basically the game. It's basically who can win the most attention wins. And yeah. at this stage, a lot of that attention is either free or completely underpriced. Right. Um, and on these platforms, it will five years from now it won't be underpriced. It will be a heavy batting where, with all the big guys in there. But at this stage, people are just a little bit tentative. They're like, what is this new technology? And Facebook's been around for ages. Their ad platform has only evolved really recently to, to have the abilities that it does. Right. It's, 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 it's sort of fascinating. Um, and, um, and as I don't want to go back to this, it, it's fascinating that you, James, have created Jack Media from an accounting background um, in this really fast-evolving Environment, whereas the tax environment doesn't evolve, except some of the rules evolve, change. They change. They don't evolve. They change, and you've got to keep up with the new rules. But and it's a compliance environment. You have gone straight into a creative environment where not there's not rules that change because there are no rules because there's just not, not even these things aren't even established. And before they get established, they change. Yeah. Oh, look, ASIC and, and the big boys in Australia can't even keep up with the changes. They, they, they don't know how to legislate and even put guidelines out for, for the technology that's emerging out of the States. It'd be freaking them out though. Freaking them out for sure. Totally, <laughs> totally freaking them out because they're all lawyers and accountants and stuff like that and they, they're they compliant and process driven and uh, rule driven. And, yeah. uh, and then people like Uber, Airbnb just, just rock up and the technology starts shaking up every single industry. Yeah, I, 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 for me, I'm a, I'm a, I love this stuff. I mean, it's totally fascinating. 
I always give James somebody the opportunity to ask me one question. I might have already asked you the question that you were going to ask me, but is there a question you want to ask me? I, I, I do, and it's along the lines of exactly what we're just discussing, is like the Ubers and the Airbnbs and, and shaking up industries. What do you see happening in the home loan industry since uh, you've seen and, and ridden so many waves in there? And on obviously on the basis of technology and what we're talking about, what do you see the next five, ten years? Well, right now, the way I see it, James, is that uh, um, leads will be generated electronically, um, and we use people like you to do the do the outreach for us, to you know find us the right places and at the right price to get to the lead online. But I don't see the fulfilment being done online. I see fulfilment being done one on one. Because I think, in this country at least, um, Australians still take the view that it's a complex thing and the structure of how these loans are approved or and or submitted, there's no there's no downside for a, for a borrower to just to sit down with one of our guys and actually say, can you just do it all for me? Um, the, there's a lot of savvy tech people around who will go through the process of going onto UBank and trying to sort of lodge it electronically and put all the data in electronically, but... The, the interest rates are much different. As, what to, if, what if you rate. could refinance with a couple of clicks? Um, yeah, totally. But we're we're not. That, that, if you could do that, that's the way people will go. But you can't do it because it's too much judgment involved. Still, there's too many judgments about your credit worthiness. Not everybody fits into the algorithms to uh, score people. So the scoring technology is not sophisticated enough now to take account of most borrowers. Most borrowers, bearing in mind. 50% of the population is self-employed. So it's really hard as a lender to score a self-employed person because they're not earning a salary wage from Westpac every day of the week or from the government, they're not a public servant, getting paid for the last two years, same job, and you see the money come in the, into the balance sheet. And there's too many things you have to draw in. Um, I, I do think, though, that w- where one of the where one of the things in, f- in terms of fintech, where we're heading in terms of lending, is... And this is happening. Tyro have this product. Tyro being this online bank, have this product for small businesses. And uh, you know, Yellow Brick Road sort of talking about doing this sort of stuff. We've been building something for a long time. You might ask Bryn and Scott about this today, um, where we, when you become a client of ours, we can um, give you access to this software that we have that actually goes into your. Um, accounts, your bank accounts, all of your bank accounts, or whoever you bank with, not just one bank, just whoever you bank with, drag the information out, um, categorize it, and work out in a cash flow basis how much money comes in every month and how much goes out and you know what your excesses are. And then over a period of time, actually put you in a position where we can come back and say, listen, because of the way your accounts behave, not how you behave, but how your accounts behave, we can actually approve a loan for you so now. That's some AI you guys are building. Yeah, well, it's sort of not quite AI yet, um, because it's um, it's more rule based. Yep. It's not artificial intelligence. It's rule based. We'd like to become AI, but it's rule based. So we know that if every time James goes to Seven Eleven, he buys petrol. That's a tax deduction, or that's an expense. Um, and uh, every time the money comes in from so and so, it's uh, wages. That's income. And we we build the rules, and we we build the rules around eighty. We're good at, to get eighty percent of it. Twenty percent of it needs some judgment on it. But as soon as you adjust the, on the judgment, it back adjusts and forward adjusts for every other transaction. You do the same. So it's sort of like AI in the twenty percent part. Sort of like it. It's not using a million users that we can actually predict what that expense is or what that revenue is. But the point of all this is that over time we'll be able to automatically just approve it. Just say, listen, you might not even be looking for a loan. We might say, listen, by the way, you just qualified to borrow another $50,000. Or 
or you just qualify to get an unsecured loan, 50 grand for your business. Um, or you just, uh, you've done so well, you're performing so well that we're going to reduce your interest rate because your risk is, we've adjusted the price for your risk. I think that's where our yep. industry will go to, not to get a loan, but to how to manage a loan. So once you're a client, technology is going to change the- The, the relationship and yep. the pricing and, um, and, and uh, um, manage the stickiness of a customer by giving them what they deserve, yep. as opposed to just everyone's on the same rate which is sort of where it is at the moment. We have no really price for risk and nobody does. We don't say James has been in business for 10 years, has never missed a bill. And then, um, you know, Hugh has only been in business for six months and had a few issues. But, you know, uh, James is – but we, we'll give Hugh the same interest rate we give to you. Right. There, there is some change ability but not really. And it's not automatic. It's more judgment. So whereas the, the computers, the, the software will make a judgment. They'll say, James, in that example, James, your interest rate's now uh, 4.2. Hugh, your interest rate's 4.4. But Hugh, if you can uh, conduct and behave in a certain way, this is how you get down to 4.2. If you get down to 4.2, Hugh, by the way, and you keep making the payments like you make at 4.4, you'll pay a home loan off 10 years faster. And here's a graph to show you how quickly you can do it. You know, it'll, and that's the relationship will be more online. Yep, as opposed to the the origination, the origination I still think for will take a long time to, and it will be done in person. That's what I think we're that's what I think we're heading to. That's where I like that's where we're sort of directing our software efforts and our um, build efforts and our, our dollars. Um, we're spending a lot of money on developing these things. But I ask the guys to show you that product. I can't say the name of the product because we haven't launched yet. But ask me to show you the name, show you the product when you see them and uh, get them to do a little demo or at least give you a, a, a verbal uh, on it and, uh, you know, you might start to get some ideas about how you can help us. Yeah, very, very cool. Um, I, I think we always have lots of ideas when we sit down with your guys, so uh, it's a lot of fun. They always, they always have something new to show me. Bryn's cool. I got Bryn out of Westpac. Bryn was head of e-commerce at Westpac in 1999. Then he ran e-commerce for, for Wizard. Then he ran it when G owned it, and now I've got him at Yellow Brick Road. He must really like you. He's a good guy. <laughs> Thanks so much, James. Good to see you, mate. Thank you, Mark.